If you find somebody who reckons they know how the financial system works, they'll usually be lying. <laughs> Nobody can ever reverse engineer how an effective system develops. You keep your eyes open. Everything you need is always, is always around you. Transformation is a tricky business. Well, warm greetings to you and welcome on back to the Making Permaculture Stronger podcast. This is Dan Palmer bringing you episode 62 in which we continue looking into the domain, the topic of decolonization, of indigeneity, of re-indigenizing. And I personally have been curious to do a bit of sense making with regard to these um, concepts and also to explore the sense I have of some connection between um, these conversations and my interest in, in design process. Today, my guest is Tyson Yanka Porter, acclaimed and award-winning author of the 2019 book Sand Talk, How Indigenous Thinking Can Save the World. Real pleasure to, to get to, to yarn with Tyson, who I see and experience as a, as a kind of a freewheeling, transdisciplinary systems thinker existing on a lot of different edges and who always, who always gives me a lot of sparks of insight and kind of glimpses into different directions to go exploring rather than... Uh, pretending to have any fixed and solid answers. So thanks to Tyson for coming on the show. And before we get into the chat, I want to let you know that, give you an update regarding the documentary film project that I'm engaged with currently with David Holmgren and a filmmaking friend, David Marr. So we're making this film on the topic of reading landscape that's grown out of me tagging along with David Holmgren and being blown away by how he can see through the current state of a landscape to what happened a long time ago, what's likely happening in the future, what's happening deep under the ground and so on. And so that's turned into a film project and on July 15th, 2021, we're launching a six-week focus on trying to raise some money to pay to do the film at a professional level and we're kicking that off with a free Zoom call that anyone's welcome to attend where David Hongren, David Ma and myself will introduce the project share where it's at and quite possibly share some hot off the editing reel snippets and whatnot and let people know how you can get involved. We, I love the idea that we can reach out to the broader permaculture community and networks and without having to approach any other external sources of funding that we can we can generate this thing ourselves. So any direct support or letting people you think might be interested in knowing about the project, that'd be fantastic. If you'd like to, to come along, the way to get the details is to go to the website readinglandscape.org and you can either subscribe to the newsletter and, and if you do that that's the same as signing up for the call you'll get notified of the relevant details or you can make a donation either or oh actually and while i think of it if you have a facebook or an instagram or whatever account or webs a web page um, and you'd be happy to to help us let people know about this event and the fundraising push it's like an internal um, crowdfunding campaign I guess that we're, we're hoping to do in-house without needing a third-party crowdfunding outfit. If you could get in touch, send me a message and just say you're, you're keen on put, we're putting together a, a little package of images and you know, draft text and stuff to, to, ho to hopefully just get the job done, you know, get the film paid for in short order so I can get on with making it. Uh, so get, back, get in touch if that, if that applies to you. It would also be remiss of me not to extend my huge gratitude for the 40 or so folk and organisations that have already generously supported the film and that are currently paying for editing to be proceeding at a fantastic rate, including very generous support from Permaculture Tasmania, who's a, is a leading project partner. Um, and I'll also mention the generous support from Leanne Salgado, Barnabas Kane, and Michael Creer. Although 
everyone that's supported is a genuine legend and we look forward to sharing all the extra footage and so on that comes along with your donation. The topic of reading landscape is such a foundational aspect of permaculture design and it's exciting to be generating some high quality content as a, as a resource for, for permaculture and others interested in that subject. Okay, let's do it. Let's jump in there with Tyson and I will catch you in episode 63. All right, well, here I am. I uh, got Tyson Yunkerporter on the line today. Excited to be, be chatting to, to you, Tyson. Thanks for thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, good to see you. I just I just finished reading Sand Talk about half an hour ago, <laughs> which is which I was glad to do. And I'm 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 excited. Yeah, that, that's how I that's how I always prepare for things. <laughs> well, I knew that the half an hour before of skimming it. Yeah. <laughs> <I> knew... <laughs> so, uh, you missed nothing. The second half of the book isn't as good as the first. Oh, like, come... The first first half, I actually had some time to sit by myself and write it. I had like a week on a retreat. But the second week, it was just um, I had to be doing what I'm doing right now, which is running around after babies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what. That's why, like, the chapters just get shorter and shorter towards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, well, I'll come back to the last few pages that finish with a bit of a bang for me. Um, all right. Well, yeah. So one one thing I want to check in with you about is, as you know, well, this you, this is making permaculture stronger. I've, I'm associated, I'm involved in the permaculture movement, and um, I, I caught a part, uh, I caught a, a chat you were having with I don't know some group, the Food, Food Sovereignty Alliance or something recently, and you okay. you shared a perspective that you have on permaculture that was to me it showed a lot of a, a deep grasp of what permaculture is about or is supposed to be about, and there's there's other voices at the moment. Like anything, you know, there's criticisms bouncing around. Who uh, go so far as saying permaculture is nothing but a grab bag of stolen indigenous knowledge? And I, 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 but tell me anything about food that isn't. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I don't know. Three quarters of all the food in the world is stolen um, indigenous food technology. Yeah, you're not having corn or tomatoes or beans or coffee or anything that that hasn't been food technology that's been selectively bred and carefully nurtured for thousands of years and then just like <laughs> um, taken you know it's like uh, if you can live a perfect post-colonial life then you know it'll be a short ass life I tell you, <laughs> you know, totally. I, I like transgress against the world and, and the laws of nature and then the laws of physics like 10 times a day um, I do that so that these babies can stay alive. Everybody does. Like, calm down, people. For God's sake. Anyway, it's like something emerges that's actually trying to be responsive. And it's not, it's not stealing more than any, anything else. But what it's doing is learning as it goes. And, and it's different in every place it is because it's being responsive to the system that it's in. It's having, you know, a tiny little footprint and it's making food local, um, that's probably not where you want to start. You know, go and talk to Bayer. You know, used to be Monsanto. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. you know, you probably, yeah. oh, I'm getting sick of this lateral violence, this green lateral violence going on. Just, just relax, people. God, fucking people just scoring points on Twitter off each other. That's it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, it's a it's a hell of, it's a hell of a scene. Yeah, I'm really interested in, like, you know, honouring all the different perspectives, but but kind of looking ahead on the path ahead together rather than kind of pausing to to throw little bombs at each other. Yeah. What? It's just, uh, 
I, I don't know. It, it's just insane. It, there's too much of it. I'm, you know, so I'm, well, you know, like you've seen me interrupt you three times already. I'm a complete discursive bully on these things. But you wouldn't believe some of the goddamn critiques you'll see out there. You know, and it's always, I'm, I'm talking to settlers who are being very, very patient and very polite. And they must be cringing like mad, but they're being very nice to me. And there, but there's so many critiques out there. People say, oh, look at the bloody, the white panelists beating up on the Aborigine. It's like, and nine times out of 10, it's the other way around. Like, it's just an easy, it's an easy point to score without ever having to actually do anything. You know, just run around and, and like, you know, notice bloody discrimination, even when it's not there. I mean, it used to be disinformation. You know, you could find tangential stuff. You could say, well, look, there's a, there's a three, there's a three on the wall behind his head and, and there's two of them there. What's two times three? It's six. What if you put those three together? They're Satanists. <laughs> they're like, they're eating children. You know, you, you'd have to at least find something. Yeah, um, yeah. But now you could just say it. You could just say it like you're a, a goddamn, like a bot. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. My evidence is that I've said it. Of I just said it. That's my evidence. <laughs> yeah, shout them out into the void. Man. And, that, and see how many likes you get. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, oh, God, has there ever been a, least, a less rigorous sort of way of, of doing business than this? Mm. All right, yeah. well, I was going to ask you what decolonizing yeah, permaculture means, if anything. Decolonizing permaculture, it's, I mean, it's, it's ongoing. You know, how do you decolonize? I mean, so I've just spent a couple of days with some permaculturalists and they're, you know, they're really switched on and they're like, they're, they're sitting there and they're saying, yep, so we, we have access to this land right now because we, we paid for the title for it, but it's on stolen land. We don't regard ourselves as being permanent residents here. And, you know, this is, you know, this, this is a place where we're here, you know, on the, the good graces of the traditional owners. Um, it was on uh, Judge our own country. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and they have really good relations with, with the, you know, native peoples, everybody. But, you know, it's, I don't know, it's, how, how much further can you go than that? Uh, basically, you're living in a system uh, where land is capital. They acknowledge that land is capital and they can't do it any other way. That's just how they have to do it for now. You know, mm. very active they are in trying to uh, change that circumstance, but that's, that's as much as they can be, you know, because uh, permaculture is responding to the system that it's in. You know, any, any proper system that's going to be complex and allow for emergence and really maximize all the energies of that place is going to be responsive to the system that it's in. That includes the economic system. Mm, mm. That includes the political system, you know, and whatever system of governance is being used at the moment. And at the moment, it's nation states um, networked globally. And so you have to respond to that and you have to be in it. That doesn't mean ignore it. You know, do what you can to change it wherever you can. But, but good luck to you. Um, mm. You know, we could have 20 million people right here doing that all at once and it wouldn't change a damn thing. You know, we know what happens when someone actually tries to change the system. Um, we, we had one prime minister ever who tried to do that, and he got sacked by the Queen within five minutes. So, you know, don't be under any illusions that just your outrage is something that's going to, like, change the goddamn world. It's not. 
your outrage is, is really handy for our masters because they, they like the distraction. Mm. They like everybody being distracted and divided and everything else. So, yeah, knock yourself out, bros. Anyway, that's mm. that rant done. <laughs> All right, let's, ne- let's move on to the next rant. Woohoo. What, oh yeah, so this I, I was I, I was ex- I'm really excited. You, you you stress in the book. You talk a lot about um, how how a lot of I'm just pausing while Tyson's blowing up a balloon. Oh, you, well, you talk you say a, a lot of the indigenous discussion around indigenous knowledge is about the what rather than the how. What plant can we yeah. use? You know, what the, the what of do a smoking ceremony or whatever, and and so this idea of bringing the how back into the foreground, pushing the what into the background for a little bit, and um. And how that relates to the whole idea of creation pattern, creation process, where where one point you made, which I love, was creation, the creation pattern or creation is not an event in the distant past. It's it's something that's ongoing, and that we're involved in every single day. We're constantly creating stuff, and a lot of the the emphasis in the book that I took away was around what does it mean to move back towards being custodians of creation, of, of and co-creating, and in exploring that, the how. You you stress the importance of metaphors, and yeah. and how important they are in making meaning and increasing or decreasing our connectedness with with creation. And one, so this is a long winded question, but one thing I've been exploring is that when we pull the processes, the how that most humans use these days to create stuff, the dominant metaphor is the machine. Yeah. And whoever whoever gets the blame, Newton, Descartes, whoever choose your pick, I, I, I don't. I don't mind, but with the idea of the machine metaphor, the idea is you take these separate parts, these cogs and conveyors and screws and bolts, and you stick them all together to build the whole. Whereas in the book, when you're talking about the relationship between the whole and the part, you're often talking about this idea that the the intelligence of the whole is inside the part, that the, it's almost like the, the signature of the whole is wrapped or folded into every little part, you know? Yeah. Like in the turtle story, you share like how it started as one shell and then it tessellates through the Fibonacci sequence. And it's all to me the metaphor is more like the the parts are birthed from the holes rather than the hole is stuck together from parts like a machine. And I'd love to, yeah. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Well, yeah, well, well, that's just it. It just um, that's what patterns do, you know. And they they kind of uh, fractalize hmm. you know, out out through creation in that way. Yeah, so I mean, well, I was working with a, um, a finance company a while back, and, and I sort of, you know, they, they were looking at that and looking at, um, you know, so they've got things worked out in their little teams, but they have to figure out how to scale that through the organization. And um, so, sort of, I don't know, we we're on some retreat, and I was looking out the window and just went, oh, I just got to go outside for a sec, you know, um, like I think, you know, because the hill go the hills coming down from the building that we're sitting in and it's going down towards water and the ground is really disturbed in six. So, um, you know, when that happens in, in country that looks like that, um, you know, often you'll get a lot of bracken popping up um, further down the hill. And, you know, the bracken's good because it sort of scabs over the wound of cleared land, you know? So I said, I'll bet there's some bracken down there. I'll, I'll get you that bracken and find out. So I just ran <laughs> down the hill there and, the bracken leaf and came back and showed them on the on the bracken leaf how to scale um mm-hmm. they're like uh you know really productive uh small team behaviors throughout the organization um because you can see it in a bracken leaf 
um, in the smallest part of that bracket, you can see that pattern. And then that replicates into the next bit. Mm-hmm. And then that replicates in the next bit. And then you look at the entire leaf and you go, oh, it's there. You know, the entire thing has that shape. You know, so you, you just have those, you know. And But this is um, this is no new lightning bolt realization, you know, that, that's just come about. People People have been talking about this for 50 years more. You know, it's something that's known. You know, even in this uh, colony here, people know this. It's um, most things are known already. It's like pretty much everything that you need to know, you already know. Mm, yeah. And all the things that the knowledge processes that people want to recover, it's within them and patterned within them. You know, like um, birds migrating, etc. You know, that, that's patterned within them. Those migration routes, they know that already. Uh, when they're born, they never have to fly those routes to learn them, you know, because they're born with them. And, and we have that in the same way. I know we're not supposed to be, you know, science would say that we're species that don't have that inherited memory. But increasingly, you know, it's being found that we do. And every single one of us knows that anyway. Mm. We know that deep down. Yeah. Yeah, you talked somewhere about there's that, for a lot of us, it's that deep down knowing, and then the question is, well, how, how the hell do we get back in touch with that? And a lot of it is about that respect and humility and slowing down and just kind of getting back in the, getting, the, getting yeah. back in that flow. Yeah, that's it. Um, now this is going to be disrupted mm-hmm. for a minute. Yeah. Oh, I'm just getting uh, increasingly more impossible spaces to do this in, and my headset's now um, run out of charge. All right. <laughs> so, you know, like, <laughs> going to have to switch to rough sound. Um, I don't know if you can hear me. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, I, I can't hear you yet, though. Oh, okay. So I'm hoping that'll change. Well, I'll keep talking just until you... Any minute. Hopefully, is that um, changing? You're going to have to keep making noise at your own. Ah, ah, Can you hear that? One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. All right. Yeah. Looks like we're back in the room. Oh, okay. You can uh, hear me? Okay. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, sorry about that. All good. All good. That, I mean, yeah, the, the sounds good. Uh, what were we up to? Oh, uh, well, yeah, so, we're, yeah, we're, we're talking about the, the, the importance and use of metaphor and getting back in touch with creation, pattern, creation process, and so the how stuff. And you, you were talking about how deeply embedded inside us is it, – it's all there. Everything we need to know is, is there, and it's more about maybe stopping looking outside for it, which book to read or whatever, and, and sinking back into the fact that we can uncover – a lot of this information inside ourselves. Yeah, that's it. Look, there's a million frameworks, a million processes, especially at a time in history when everybody's panicking, you know, everybody's reaching out for answers. And, and of course, you know, it's uh, the wonderful thing about this marketplace. It responds really quickly to demand, you know? So, you know, if there's demand for something, it'll appear pretty quick on the shelves and everybody will be, Hmm. everybody will be grabbing it. So there are so many just little ad hoc, you know, frameworks and, you know, seven rules for life and bloody 
bloody blah coming up all over the place right now. But, you know, most of it is stuff you know already. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you read it, you're really just finding different ways to say the things that you know already and, and they make you feel comforted. Um, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. yeah. Um, right now, and I think a lot of people are getting sick of it. Um, I think people are starting to get sick of just talking about and reading about change making and sense making and all the making. And they're kind of like, well, you know, what now, what can I actually do in my sphere of influence? And Hmm. that's in your house and that's in your street. That's in your, you know, your bio, your own bio region. Hmm. Um, But that's just it. You get your house in order first. You're um, like I said, it's that, that fern leaf pattern, that, that fractal pattern. And get things right at the micro if you want to scale anyway into the macro. But at the same time as being aware that there are huge evolutionary pressures in your context, in your environment, coming from the macro, it's a hell of a lot bigger than you. And that you're not going to be able to live that pattern. Hmm. You know, not in this lifetime, not not completely and with yeah. integrity. So you might be lo- really longing for it, you know, and wanting to you know, have your universal consciousness and, you know, have your connectedness to the earth and all the rest of it. But um, it's basically just keeping whatever shreds of that you've got alive, you know, and just gently blowing on them like little embers and just trying to keep some kind of hot coal to carry and, and, and pass on to the next gen. Because mm-hmm. the next generation's in, you know, even more deep kaka than we are and, you know, and they're the ones that are going to have to start the cleanup uh, before they die. So, yeah, we pretty much just, yeah, want to, instead of like twisting and domesticating all the young people now uh, to try and jam them in, make them fit into this current system that's in a really obvious state of free fall collapse, um, you know, maybe like just nurture them, you know, through those patterns and, and allow them to emerge as whatever they're going to be for the, uh, uh, for the next thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, who knows how long this collapse is going to last. It's, you know, it's probably going to be decades. They'll find lots of short term fixes. They always do. And um, they'll hang on as long as they can. Just hopefully they're done and finished before, well, all the natural systems that keep us alive are. That, been... um, I talk about these permaculture people again out of Dalesford. It's this fellow who calls himself artist as family. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, they're friends of mine. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Well, I mean, so, you know, they walk you around the garden and, you know, they'll talk about how it came about. And, you know, at first they were like, yeah, we'll, we'll have all native plants, native foods. Hmm. You know, we'll have all, you know, bush tucker stuff. And that that's how they're, they're sort of, you know, honoring indigenous knowledge that way. And and then they just, after a while, they realized, oh, no, that's not it. You know, it, it's not about that. It's about the relationships and knowledge and processes that you form. So, you know, they went more into the process and understanding the landscape and, you know, how to have plants that, would have a high enough yield to support life mm-hmm. uh, on a very small block of land, um, you know, which generally you're not going to do that. 
uh, as particularly in the state they're in now, when you know those plants haven't been tended and country hasn't been cared for for a long time in, in the right way, you're not going to get a high yield from native plants off a, off a small block of land. You're going to have to do a lot of walking to, <laughs> to get enough to do that. So, you know, so they're going more with those processes and, and sort of hybridizing, creolizing, you know, and, and moving with the place, mm-hmm. you know, understanding that sort of uh, emu dreaming of that place um, there where they are, but not really talking about it or, you know, speaking for it like they know something, but more just about being in it and being with it and, res- and being responsive to it. And um, allowing the place to change them, and you can see that really, really starkly in how they work. So fully, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and this that's, that's the difference between doing your, um, you know, grabbing your your bits and pieces of indigenous content or plants or songs or practices or whatever, fully, and actually moving more towards uh, process. Yeah, yeah. Understanding of places and systems. And, yeah, yeah. And move within them but more most importantly you know our culture is an adaptive culture you know of changing you know, you have to change within the context and that's what that's what makes us a long-lived culture it's not you know just staying static and having exactly the same culture for a hundred thousand years or something you know it's about adapting and moving constantly um yep. yeah 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 the they are be beautiful, beautiful what they're up to. We, I'm part of making this film about reading landscape or listening to country, and um, we got a bit of footage of their son Woody, and he's amazing. You know, unschooled and just, just, just so enthusiastic, showing you how you grab plantain for your cut and and how he catching rabbits or and with his hands and all the, you know all that stuff, and, and showing us the wares they're making. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're doing yeah. some awesome and that's stuff. It's a it's a it's a good way of life. My wife and I last night we were saying, well, it's it's well, we'd love to be able to do that, but we can't do that. <laughs> so I mean, you know, an Aboriginal person can't open carry a huge pocket knife on their belt and walk down the street without shoes with their kids because you won't have those kids for long if you do. That. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, you're you're definitely getting arrested. You're definitely getting a fine. And you're probably losing your kids. So um, we were looking with, with envy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> These people who just get to walk down the street. No shoes. Big knife. You know, like, it's like, yeah. I tell you, well, you know, we'd all like to be homeschooled that way. That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, fully. <laughs> <laughs> with this metaphor stuff, one thing I've noticed, permaculture and a lot of other um uh, approaches draw on systems thinking and when i look closely it seems like systems thinking has also been infused with with this machine thinking um and you know the idea of build start with the little elements and build up build up the whole in a piecemeal way it's sort of like playing with lego or something do you ever draw on the einstein and whoever many many people have drawn on this idea of a field as an alternative metaphor you know like and, and i know in the book you talk about at one point you use the idea of like a string bag in a creek where for me rather than seeing the parts as little little separate elements that are joined together to form the system, you see the parts as like eddies in the flow. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where does that take well, you? Well, I mean, it is really interesting. I mean, it used to be you'd look to ecology as a field to, to really look in, into that, that sort of systems 
um, system stuff, but it's, it's interesting the way that, you know, that, that sort of nature was sort of plundered. And, and I mean, where's the best thinking on systems theory now, you know, you'll find it in, um, in FinTech and <laughs> um, Silicon Valley and all these places. So these are a lot of the people I'm talking to. I mean, some of the best stuff in the world's coming out of the uh, Santa Fe Institute. Mm-hmm. That's um, that's located in the desert, New Mexico, I think. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, so there's uh, a lot of those people are doing all the, I mean, some pretty good thinking around that now, and making some pretty good uh, progress with things. But yeah, it's it's kind of uh, shifted into this sort of sort of fabricated ecology of. Um, of you know economies and um, and technology now, systems thinking stuff it still draws really heavily on the uh, ecological theory and stuff like that. It draws very heavily on that, um, and they use a lot of nature metaphors, strangely, you know, to describe the systems and structures that they've tinkered, which you know inevitably, uh, I mean, certainly going to destroy the very nature that they're um, doing their biomimicry from. But, you know, there's some good people in there and I, I like talking to them. I've got, uh, I've got friends now in Silicon Valley and in all these places. Whoa. I like to have a yarn with, you know, from time to time. Um, yeah. It's just, uh, I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's weird. But it's, I, I guess your metaphors are important. I guess I talk about that in the book a bit that metaphors that's the language of spirit you know it's this kind of uh, ritual action where you where you have something you know an object or an image or a dance or word or song and that's dance for something hmm. in the tangible reality and you put these things together and you make combinatorials that become ritual you know and then um you power that up with a bit of a group dynamic that goes into that sort of abstract sort of dreaming space that goes into that space of, of spirit. And, um, you know, you move things around in there, those, those metaphors, but then you have to complete the feedback loop and bring it back into the reality in order to have increase, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that's not an increase in the size of the system. That's increasing the relations um, and the, the connections within the system. It, it just uh, keeps that complexity going. Yeah, so your metaphors are really important. This is the reason, even though I'm like, you know, I roll my eyes a bit at all the different frameworks coming out and all that sort of stuff. I do like looking at them because you can usually see in the metaphors that people choose what their real intent is. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, so I saw one for Indigenous policy the other day. And, you know, they, they like to represent these things visually. So it was a series of circles and, and, um, and right at the outside of the circle, around the outer edge, was the circle that represented, was the metaphor uh, that represented, had a label on there, um, you know, ensure that Indigenous voices and leadership are placed at the centre uh, of everything we do. <laughs> but it was yep. right around the yeah, outside. Yeah, 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 got it. Yeah, so when you look at the way people arrange their metaphors, you can usually see what their actual intent is. Um, mm. You know, and so it's uh, when you're putting together a lot of a little system, you know, it's almost like a, a little ritual system 
when you bring together a bunch of metaphors to represent a complex reality, you know, and you arrange those things in certain ways, and then you go, right, that's our, that's our thing. You know, that's like a little ritual you do. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think um, in a lot of these cases, these, what they put together is more of a curse than anything else. Yeah. Um, but at least, you know, you know where they're going with stuff. Yeah, you can see through. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I lo love how you talk about not just working with one metaphor, because in a sense, all metaphors are wrong, right? They, they, they shed light on some aspect of what you're trying to use them for, but like sometimes people go too far and then start to look for the leaves or the flow of sap in the tree when they're using yeah. it. You know what I mean? can go too far. So drawing on more than one metaphor, but also sharing and talking and connecting and letting them let it like you're saying before let them grow and adapt over time rather than say that's it that's our that's our framework we're we're, yeah. we're doubling down on that oh yeah it's always doubling down <laughs> yeah yeah one thing i was right at the end you talked about how you had more time in the front of the book but right at the end i was pretty stoked because um like at the start you talk about people go to 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 a welcome to country or, or a talk by about um uh, Aboriginal knowledge or ways of being or whatever, and they, they can often leave none the wiser. They just get a whole lot of watts and not much insight in, into the how. And at the end, you you share how you're 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 in a yarn with was it Mum or someone? Someone some. Um, I'm Doris. Yeah, 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 Doris. Yeah, I'm Doris. And um, you came up with a sort of a, a a general pattern that's has great depth, is also kind of simple enough to grasp and work with. And the, the idea of working from respect. Ah, uh, yeah. Through connect, reflect, and direct. Yeah. It's just, it was just it's a way that we were trying to figure out how we could um, simplify the process of, um, of doing being, mm. you know, um, Aboriginal knowledge together. Yep. So we're trying to figure out how could we bring people just into that process of relating and, um, you know, uh, producing knowledge, transmitting knowledge, you know, storing knowledge within that set of relations. And we just spent months. This was uh, over 10 years ago. We spent months trying to figure it out. And we ended up, uh, we ended up, you know, over a couple of years, we did a heap of road trips, co covered thousands of kilometers. And, you know, we ended up in Western Australia and all over Western New South Wales and across the border up into Queensland and uh, all over Victoria. And we went everywhere. And um, it's funny, she's got relatives <laughs> everywhere you go. Like we go to some towns you've never heard of and find, she'd find a relation. <laughs> it's pretty much a, a Aboriginal Australia is mostly shillings worth. No, that's, that's silly. But, you know, we, um, yeah, we basically we we kept trying to figure out what is what is the sequence of coming, you know, amongst alongside, you know, with people and working through uh, before you actually take action. You know, the, all the things that we do, the the protocols and business we take care of, you know, um, before you know something is right to do, um, because you know we're always identifying problems these days you know, identifying problems and then coming up with a bunch of you know with a mission statement to tackle it and a bunch of key performance indicators and then we're we're just jumping at it yeah and then, you know hiring an evaluation company to evaluate what went wrong and and then off we go to the next thing 
um, you know, and nothing's really getting done. You know, so we really wanted to get that out. So, yeah, it, it came up with that. Um, and, you know, we had our own metaphor for it. So I thought of it as um, spirit, heart, head, hands, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, Mama Doris was thinking, yeah, she she likes things to rhyme. So she had that respect, um, connect, reflect, direct. You know, so it's always that work of spirit first that, you know, that showing the respect and, you know, coming in that way. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, taking care of all that business first. And, yeah. and But then it's the relationships, you know, coming out of that once you, you've exchanged story and you start to, you, you're understanding each other, where you, what worldview you're coming from, and then you, you start to do that make that connection, make those relationships and everything comes out of those first two. Mm-hmm. So you don't even do your thinking until the third step. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. that. So you're reflecting on all that to decide what it is you're all supposed to do together. And then, you know, um, collectively, you know, you arrive, um, you know, under the guidance and authority of elders and within the laws of nature even but the laws of the land and the laws of 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 the people you're you're working with you then you figure it out what it is that you're supposed to all do together and then you get it done Mm -hmm. and yeah mum doris when when we were able to spell it out what the process was it's it's the opposite you know they keep going in the opposite direction you know when people uh come into our communities or they go and try and um you know restore a forest or you know um do some sort of riparian work to fix the land or something. They're always coming in first with the intervention mm-hmm. and then, and then they're learning from that and they reflect on that. And then they start to come into relation and then they, in the end, they respect, uh, they find respect. Everybody finds it, but it, if it, when it's around the wrong way, you know, then whatever you're doing, is going to be fairly um, ineffective and even yeah. damaging. And destructive. Yeah, that's right. In the, in the book you talk about, sometimes you leave, you get to the respect thing as you respect the thing you've just unintentionally yeah. destroyed. Yeah. But I mean, effectively, there's a, a few things in there. And I don't know, the idea, when, when I put things like that in there, the idea was just that they were kind of being a bit ironic because the the book is, is you know, so, it, it's so not a, you know, 12 rules for yeah, yeah, yeah. century kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> the book is so sort of anti-framework, if you know what I mean. So mm, there are a mm. few things like that in there that were kind of just being playful with that. Um, just going, look, here's a framework. Totally, but yeah. Then, yeah. You don't actually need that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And the la- the la- it emerged in the moment and had its place. And the last thing you want is people to kind of you reify know, it and oh, turn oh, it into this is this is the framework. This is the answer. <laughs> here's the thing that I can do. Here's the thing that I can follow. And it's on my hand. I can do it. It's on my hand. That's awesome. And oh, it actually doesn't really matter. It's <laughs> that's not where it is. Um, you know, I don't know. What well, um, one thing I did get out of it. I, I, so so much of the the well meaning stuff i see happening in the world it skips the first two just as things it's like let's think about it let's figure this out and then let's do something whereas with the gut work and the heart work get a sort of superficial acknowledgement but to, to just the invitation to to realize that's where you got to start and, and bringing that stuff back in and giving yeah. it the time it needs yeah oh, we've got a question 
What's that? <laughs> no, 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 no. Was just, that was just one thing I got out of your your framework, even though it was a playful um, ir- irony at the end. <laughs> hey, something else I wanted to ask you about was was you talk a lot about the the idea of a biggest. Well, the, you talk about the. Oh, here we go. It was another like another another play. The four protocols of being a whatever you call it, a sustainably <laughs> agent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah it, it had it had its place. But but within that, you talked about how if you're working w- with the pattern that those are just one way of pointing at, that vital and vibrant systems can spring up around you, and and you, you can become a strange attractor amongst strange attractors. Where it sounds like a strange attractor to me is what I've heard in other contexts re- referred to as um, nodal intervention. You know, you, mm. you 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 discern enough about the system you're in to make a little tiny. And it's beyond it's beyond even the idea of scale and leverage and prioritize or whatever. It's just yeah. finding those little those little butterfly wing flaps that can create shifts that were seemingly impossible five minutes yeah. ago. But it's um it, it's it's funny it's um it's 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 sort of letting go of the part of your brain half the time that, that's tracking all those things as well, and just you know allowing yourself to be in group behavior when you get a decent group dynamic happening, you know, um, and not just when I say group, I mean, you know, a system, mm-hmm. you know, if you're being, if you're in a system that's coming into balance, you know, um, you pretty much just have to behave like a node in a system and you've got to allow that system to, um, to move you a bit. You know, you, you have to you have to remain this really distinct and fabulous individual. That's really important too, because the whole system will stagnate if everybody starts doing the same thing. Yeah. So you have to strive to be different from those around you. At the same time, you, you have to you have to be like in, intimately networked with them. You know, and you have to exchange being this constant exchange of of energy, resources, information. You know, across and throughout the system. And kind of if everybody's doing that in ways where where all of the energy of that system is distributed throughout the system, it doesn't sort of artificially accumulate in one place, you know, et cetera, et cetera. <clears throat> um, you know, amazing things start to happen. Now, anywhere, anywhere in the world where you have an institution that's working really well, working really well, you can ask the people in that institution what steps they took to get it to that stage. And they'll never be able to tell you. Mm. you know, nobody can ever reverse engineer how an effective system develops, how an effective institution develops within a system. Um, you can't reverse engineer it because it's, it's, it's far too complex. You know, and it's following patterns you can barely perceive you know, when it's happening properly. You know, but there are protocols that you can follow that will get you there. Uh, that will foster the conditions for the emergence of those those perfect things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, systems are self-organizing and they want to continue to be, you know, so they will, they will go. I mean, some of the most effective systems on the planet are, um, are systems that are destroying other systems right now, you know, and nobody really knows how they work. So if you, if you find somebody who reckons they know how the, the – financial system works and you know the stock markets and all that sort of stuff that they'll usually be lying because there isn't anybody alive who actually knows how that all works Mm. and um there isn't anybody who would be able to go backwards reverse engineer the whole thing it's kind of got its own life now you know it's a system that's 
that's that's running itself and it's sort of recruiting all of us every single one of us is a node that's been recruited into this system and it has us acting in perfect ways uh to sustain it um and we're all just doing it and we're not consciously aware of it mm -hmm. we may have some vague idea that ah oh, bloody wall street what about main street you know that kind of thing but nobody knows it's a it's a black box how all these trades are happening um it's a black box you know how the massive transfer of wealth that's going on in the world right now is happening um no one knows but it's doing it yeah i hadn't thought about it like that before it's like we're all unwittingly neurons in this giant brain you know this giant financial economic system that's it and now, and and like a neuron in a in a brain, like uh, could we even exist without it? And that's mm. the thing, you know. So, um, I mean, you could shoot that brain, you know, free the neurons, <laughs> cut off his head and free the neurons. That's <laughs> and then what? And what? They watch him die three days later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's oblivion, you know. Um, yeah, it's, that's not the way uh, change works. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, this is going to have to, um, you know, die of natural causes or, you know, transform into something else. It's, you know, but transformation is a tricky business. It's inevitable. Hmm. You know, it's always happening. Every system goes through it. Um, but, you know, I guess we'll see where it goes. I mean, no, nobody likes, nobody likes living in this one. No, I think there's probably 10% of people living in about 10% of the communities in the world probably like it because it's really good for them. Hmm. Um, yeah, and so they have a big system of perverse incentives to to hold that system in place as well. You know, the rest of it's get a bone from time to time. Fully. Um, One thing David Holmgren said that I, I appreciate one of the permaculture originators, he was he's talked about how we don't have any political autonomy if we're utterly dependent on these larger systems. That until we move back to from dependent consumption back towards interdependent production, doesn't matter what we say, our politics are we're utterly dependent on the supermarket and all the rest. And so, and we're also, I guess, a lot more vulnerable when those inevitable disruptions and transformations do happen. And that's it's that's obviously something you, you emphasize heaps in the book is that. If nothing else, an Aboriginal or Indigenous worldview or way of being is is land based. You know, it's placed somewhere. It's about moving toward that um, custodial relation with land again. I guess a bit like artist and family are up to. Yeah, and you know, but they're, they're I don't know they're they're finding interesting solutions and trying things out. Ah. Sorry, that's my daughter. Well, good. How old's your daughter? <laughs> Uh, she's four. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, artists' family, they're, they're finding some interesting solutions to things and trying things out, you know. Um, so, they're, you know, they're not in a position uh, because of their ethnicity, cultural affiliation or whatever. You know, they're not in a position to be out doing Indigenous cultural burning hmm. on country. So, instead, they've decided to really um, vigorously and carefully um, uh, shepherd uh, uh, or goat herd uh, a herd of goats um, through country and, pay, and be really careful about what they're eating, but directing them to um, uh, to clear all the fuel load, 
and to get rid of all the um, noxious weeds. Yeah. And they've, um, so they've experimented with really transforming um, landscapes and sort of, uh, yeah, doing it um, in a, a sort of a pre-burning culture way of doing things that, I don't know, reminded me of, of what I imagine um, diprotodons used to do. You know, I mean, because they took care of that. You know, it's funny, the fire in our way is almost um, filling an ecological niche left behind after the demise of um, a lot of the really huge megafauna, you know, from 10, 20,000 years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. All that, um, that last big round of climate change uh, that completely changed the way the world works. <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny. Um, so, you know, things got warmer and some places got drier and, and hotter. And, um, but also in, in a lot of the northern hemisphere, a lot of the temperate zones, when you've got that, uh, that last big cataclysmic round of climate change, you know, um, it made it more possible to, um, to grow crops. So you had a lot of agriculture and civilization sort of came out of that, that, that initial bit of climate change. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I mean, before that, it was especially in the, the northern hemisphere, it was fairly hit and miss. You know, um, you know it, it, it was hard to rely completely on, um, on, you know, growing foods in one place. You, know, you, you did have to have, like, most humans through most of human history, you know, larger states that your, your band or tribe or village would be able to move around or through seasonally, you know in order to, um, you know, get all the things that it needed. Hmm. And in that way, that was how we've been in a custodial relation to the landscape was, um, you know, being able to move seasonally uh, around a bioregion. But I guess what that last round of climate change did is allowed people to stop in one part of a bioregion and just grow up there. You know, so you ended up with, you know, quite a, in, in one bioregion, you'd have heaps, you'd end up with heaps of people moving into it, forming settlements and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, then war, 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 civilization, civilization, and here we are. Yeah. So it's, um, I don't know if, uh, you know, uh, global warming accelerating, you know, even beyond that, even beyond what it did at the end of the last ice age, I don't know if uh, global warming is going to accelerate that kind of behavior or exacerbate it. I think it's going to be different in different places. You know, but yeah. particularly it's going to get harder and harder because of a lot of other factors. So, the, you know, the, the loss of topsoil, uh, most of the topsoil on the planet now being at the bottom of the sea, most of the phosphorus, like the accessible, mineable phosphorus is now at the bottom of the sea again. Um, you know, it's going to be a while. <laughs> it's, it's, I think there's going to be some tricky times ahead for most people mm-hmm. over the next 2000 and but you know, I, I, but I, I do think that over the next, um, you know, a few hundred years, you're going to get a lot of people who are who are starting to make that that move back to a, a land base and to caring for it, sustaining it, allowing it to sustain the return. You know, the, you can see this sort of massive collective desire that's just yes. sort of building up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is, um, I mean, there are a lot of people doing it, but there are even more people who are longing to do it. Yes. You know? Yeah. 
I mean, my little family here, we're stuck in this box now. Um, but yeah, we'd, we'd much prefer to be out doing that. Love to be walking down the street with a pocket knife. <laughs> Massive knife in your pocket and bare feet. Yeah, yeah. Well, may, may the day come, come sooner sooner uh, rather than later. Yeah, when, as you were saying, I was re- reflecting on how, in a sense, with, with what's in the pipeline, becoming Indigenous or moving back towards that custodial relationship with land isn't an option, right? At some point, it's like, do that or you're not around anymore. Yeah. Um, and it's just an open question as to how, trust, how trashed the land base will be at that mm. at that point um yeah and who the hell knows yeah well, it's 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 funny i mean the the idea that 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 will be everyone will have to become indigenous it's kind of um when you think it through that's not really possible i mean because you know indigenous only exists because there are non-indigenous people i'm with you yeah there become are- humans again <laughs> you'd say domesticated sort of you know yeah. uh, synthetic kind of people and then there's indigenous people who are still trying to hold on to a living memory of something that's not that um because we're going to need it down mm. the track um i guess you know on the day that everybody starts doing that again there won't be indigenous people anymore mm. they'll just be people um, yeah i don't know man for those of us who you know, like to think we're special because we have a special relationship with the land, um, that, that'll probably be a bad day. Uh, <laughs> you know, but it's like uh, superfoods. You know, the superfoods you get now, that's just food. And all the other food is just crap. Exactly. Yeah. Special yep. relationship with land is just, that, no, that, that's a normal relationship with the land. Mm. that's like the absolute minimum that everybody needs to have and i guess if if everybody moves back to that it won't be special anymore yeah yeah great point lovely but um yeah it's not going to be very special Mm -hmm. we have become developed a taste for for the special thing haven't we but i'm thinking of the emu the the narcissistic streak (laughs) yeah well, Tyson, it's been really great to chat. Thanks for your time. Thanks for all the work you're doing out there, shaking things up and and supporting. Well, the way I see it is, you you you're helping you're helping others ask better questions or ask interesting questions at the very least, rather than pretend to have the answers. And I look forward to where you you, you go with it all from here. Could you ch- t- say a little bit about where what's 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 coming up for you? Are you more books or? Um, yeah, it's supposed to be if I can if I can ever get time. Um, yeah. It's hard to even get time for an interview at the moment. The calendar's all hmm. full of blue squares. Um, it's hard to squeeze anything in. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm just allowing that to sort of push me around for a while and see where see where I end up. Hmm. Hmm. I'm not the frontal lobe too much. Um, but yeah, we, we I have started up a um, well in the process of starting up a Indigenous Knowledge Systems Lab at uh, Deakin University, and. Um, you know, we have some really good seed funding and supporters for that. And, and um, yeah, that's growing as sort of more people are coming in interested in, um, in um, you know, you know, funding it from, you know, big gorgs and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting enough time to, um, to sort of build a team around that. I mean, at the moment, it, it's, it's just me. And until we <laughs> get the team together, 
it's um it's it's going to be a bit of an uphill battle for me but i'm looking forward to having a group of people who are all working with um you know indigenous systems thinking um you know over the next few years um yeah but i i i don't know best laid plans and all that you you don't think it overthink it too much um you don't try and establish that this is the timeline and this is what is going to happen um because you know um, there are a lot of system competing systems that uh, have other ideas about that. So you just kind of got to, you know, just be in the mix and um, follow, you know, for the things that uh, fall out of that. Yeah. Yeah. Things that emerge, emerge from it. Emerge from the jostle. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's all exciting. If you keep your eyes open, everything you need is always, is always around you. Mm. Yeah. So being able to notice. Yes. Yeah. 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 Having the eyes to see it for what it is. Um, yeah. So that's my plan. Sweet. Well, thanks heaps. It's been awesome. No worries, bud. Catch thanks, up. Tyson. Bye. Catch up. Bye bye.